0: So, so now we're judging you for having your phone on and for not paying to the sermon paying attention to the sermon. <laughs> you are in luck that today's message is on judgment. <laughs> judgment, hypocrisy, and the wrath. <laughs> Angie You, my good friend. She wrecked my intro but it was better than what I wrote up, so it doesn't really matter, but, so we're driving back from, from Inspiration Point, and these kids don't have any of their electronics, they wishing they could have them, and I'm not going to lie to you, I am in a place when we're in, on this road trip that I am wishing that they had their electronics, and, and, and we're sitting there, and we're stuck in traffic, and I'm just wishing, just drive on the show of the road, just go, just do it, and, and and I think no, that's wrong. You know, I shouldn't do that. And then all of a sudden as I'm thinking these thoughts, woof, <laughs> woof, 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 woof. and these cars are going by me and they're passing me on the shoulder of the road. And I get mad at them. And I'm like, "Don't they know they could hurt someone? Don't they know that it's illegal to drive on the s- s- side of the shoulder of the road?" And I'm sitting here and I'm judging them and I'm really I'm being honest on the inside, I'm hoping there's a cop up there. And I'm hoping he catches every single one of them. I hope they all get a taste of the law. But if we're going to be honest for a minute, that really wasn't my problem. What was my problem? I wanted to do it too. (laughs) That was my problem. That's why I was mad. I was jealous. And I don't know if you remember this, but I shared a story in church. I suppose it was a while ago, so I don't expect you to remember it, but I shared a story in church about how one time um, I, I would always drive on the shoulder of the road, like if I was getting off on an exit in Minneapolis, like, oh, I can see the exit, I'll take it. And my wife would always tell me not to do it, and I would do it anyways. And then one time I passed her and I waved to her, and then as I passed her, a cop pulled me over for driving on the side of the road. And, and, so, and so I'm sitting here and I don't pass anybody and I'm mad and I'm casting judgment because I want them to get caught, but but... Really, the whole reason why, does anybody know why I didn't actually drive on the side of the road? Because I was scared, not because I knew it was wrong, but because I was scared my wife was going to find out. <laughs> That's the reason why I didn't do it, you know? Some people, they're scared of the law, and some people, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're scared of the law getting a ticket, you know? Um, so, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I, I forget what it's called when you say something's wrong to do for somebody else, but then you go and do it. What's that called? Hypocrisy. And there's a problem because often, and, and this is the problem with, with part of the church, is it's often that the church tells people something's wrong to do, and then they go and do it themselves, and it's hypocrisy. We, we cast judgment and, and then we be, we're hypocrites and, and, and people see it and they know it and we're going to talk about how this applies to the body of Christ today. How many times have you heard somebody say that it's, they struggle with the church or they struggle with Christian people because they think they're judgmental or because they think they're, they're hypocrites? And you know what the thing about it is? We are. I don't know one person who's not you know, I, I enjoy preaching, but this week, I did not enjoy making this sermon because I sat there, I thought, I don't think I'm a judgmental person. I don't think I do that. Like, like if I see someone who's, who just does something differently, I think I'm a pretty, like, uh, oh, man, I, I get it, man, you're having a tough day, or I understand why you made that dumb decision. I think I think that way, but this week as I'm writing this message, I'm like, the number of times I call someone stupid in my head The number of times I actually say it out loud is still a lot. And when I'm doing that, what am I doing? I'm judging. I'm casting judgment. And and I act like that that all of the things that I say and do are right and perfect. Right, Jenny? Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to look at our text today. We're going to pray and then we're going to look at our text. And and, and we're just going to, and we're going to, we're going to see, um, what God's word has to say about this. And you know, I'm serious when I said this about Angie when her phone went off and when she wasn't paying attention to the beginning of the sermon. You know, I, I, I was listening. I really do wonder how many people wondered, why didn't she turn her phone off? And I'm glad you left on because that's, that's a perfect example. So let's, let's pray and then we're going to get started here, okay? Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, may you speak to our hearts, our minds, and our souls. May you speak through your Holy Spirit which is God, and it has the ability to convict us and move us and shape us and, and mold us. And may your word speak to us, Lord. Your word is our authority in life. And it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, Lord. So may we trust in the word for, for understanding. Um, so, Lord, we give you thanks, and may you just uh, help us to uh, rest in your forgiveness today and in your grace and not in the judgment of this world. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, Romans 2, 1 through 6, it says this. You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, passing judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt? Or do you show ill will for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepented heart, you were storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will, will repay each person according to what they have done. All right. I'm curious how, how these initial verses hit each one of us. I wonder how many of us, when I read the first verse, we instantly thought of a person who we think is judgmental. Or I wonder when I read the first verse, if you pictured, and instead of picturing your neighbor, I wonder how many of us pictured ourselves realizing that this is easy for us to fall into. I think it's easy for us to point out other people's failures, sins, mishaps in life and want to put them down for it. We see someone's kids act up in the grocery store and we think, oh, if that was my kid, oh boy. Or we see someone's kid act up in the grocery store and we think, man, that parent. If I was that kid's parent, I'd, I could do it better. You know, I would do it the right way. You know, when we think these things, and when we forget to ask the question, yeah, because that kid's parent really wanted their kid to have a Category 5 tantrum in the middle of the store while everyone's backed up. That's what the parent wanted in life, right? It's like, it's, it's funny how it's Ill, so easy for us to point out the law or the things that are going wrong in someone's life when we think that they don't also know it or feel it. Or maybe it's just, Easy for us to judge how people spend their money. What do you mean they don't have an emergency fund account? Or at the opposite end, what do you mean they bought a brand new car? Who does that? That's dumb. Why waste so much money on a brand new car? <coughs> we do this so often that I think we do it without even noticing it. We judge people on how they parent, how they treat their spouse, how they spend their money, how they spend their time, how they raise their kids. We judge them based on the tattoos on their neck or, or how high or low they wear, their pants, some of Some of these areas aren't even areas of sin, but just areas of of where we think that we know so much better than somebody else. We do. And I'm pretty sure the first verse starts to speak to this when it says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever... For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same thing. Have you ever been in so much trouble that the person lecturing lecturing you for doing something wrong opens with, you have no excuse? I have. Man, when I read that, it reminded me of my childhood. And then it's funny because, like, you have no excuse for what you did, Brandon. Don't you have anything to say for yourself? And I'm like, you just told me I had no excuse. Why would I talk? Reminded me of my childhood there. But then it goes on and it says this. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment. You who throw the first stone, you are the one condemning yourself. What is Paul saying? Paul knows two things about these people. First thing he knows is this. The very thing that these people are judging other people's sins on are the same things that they have been saved from themselves. It's, it's how it works in life. You know, it's, it's, it's like you have a Christian person who's been saved from, 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 from adultery or covening, or the list goes on, whatever you want, everything. The lies we tell, the actions we have, the hatred we have in our heart, the disobedience we have inside of us. And then the first thing we do is expect that everyone is going to act the way that I think I should act the second that I be start to do that. Just because I stopped doing something doesn't mean another person's been convicted there yet. God is still working in their lives, but we cast these judgments. And the second thing he knows about these people is this. The same thing that they have been forgiven of, they're still committing that same sin. It's not like, oh, I came to faith and now I stopped. I came to faith and now I'm perfect. I came to faith and now I wear khaki pants and button-up shirts. It doesn't work that way. It shouldn't wear that, work that way. You know, the way it works is that the Holy Spirit looks at us individually individually, works on each one of us differently. Paul says that it's so wrong that we are doing this, that when we do it, we actually condemn ourselves. And he's saying that because when you judge another person by the law, that you yourself should be judged by the law. How many of us want to be judged by the law? I'm curious. I mean, how many of us want to be stand up and then be judged based on the second commandment? How many of us want to be judged by the number of times they've said the Lord's name in vain? I don't. My high schoolers sure as heck don't. How many of us want to be judged on, on how disobedient we've been towards our parents? I'm just going through the commandments here, a couple of them. How many of us want to be judged on, on if we lie? or if we commit adultery. Because just because you erase your URL line in your computer doesn't mean that God disappears from God's memory. How many of, you, of us want to be uh, judged on, on, on how we covet our neighbor's house or our neighbor's car, or our neighbor's wife, our neighbor's kids, our neighbor's whatever it might be? No, we don't. And Paul is saying that when you are holding people to this law, then, then you yourself should be held to the same law. Let's jump down to verse 3. It says, we, and we'll come back to um, verse 2 a sec- for a second here in, in a second. But, so when you, you, a mere man, notice that. We, we talked about this last week. I used the, 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 the word um, anthropology, you know, the study of man. When you, a mere man, and when we studied, we talked about that last week, and we said when we look at who we think mankind is mankind, we, we often, we, we can see That man is sinful. We see that we're broken. We see that we make wrong decisions. We see all that. So when it says, so when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you you think you will escape God's judgment? How many of us want to be judged based on our own good works? How many of us want to be based off, judged off the good works of Jesus Christ? Right? So don't apply a law to man that you aren't applying to yourself. So then what we want for people is we want God's mercy, not just for ourselves, but we want God's mercy for other people. But that's not what we do. We often want God's mercy for us, and then we want God's r- justice for our neighbor. Right? Now let's go back to verse 2 for a second, because I want you to see something. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based in truth. This means that God, the one who is without sin, he can judge. One, he is God. Two, he is the one without sin. Since he is the one without sin, he is more qualified to judge these mere sinful people. How do you, how do you get the impression that God is or how do we get the impression that God is waiting for to bust us in our sin? Like, I think man thinks that way. I think man's waiting to bust man for their sins. Like, I can't wait to catch that person doing something wrong, and I think God is sitting over here saying, I'm, I'm tolerant, I'm patient, I'm loving, and I'm waiting to catch them with my loving kindness and repentance that I'm offering them. There's a difference. And, 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 and it, we talked again about, like, our Christology, and, and last week we talked about our theology, and we looked at who God is, and, 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 and if you think God is sitting back waiting to catch people who sin, then you have not been reading the scriptures, because you should go back and look at the Bible all, all the way back to, to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, when God orchestrates and, and creates us, and then gives us everything we need, and then we sin, and then he puts a plan in place to rescue us from that same sin, so think about that, okay? And when you think about that, you don't get a picture of a judgmental judging God who just wants to condemn you. You get a picture of God who loves you. If you don't see this in God's redeeming grace, if you don't see God's redeeming grace for man when you see this, then you're really missing out. We look at verse 4, it says, The one who shows contempt for God's kindness when he shows contempt for God's tolerance and God's patience, if you think you deserve grace but others don't, then hear me, you have a heart problem. Isn't this the same stuff we praise God for? Are we not being thankful for his deep kindness? I mean, when we sing songs, we, we thank him for his loving kindness, we thank him for his forgiveness, we thank him for all that he does for us, we thank him that, that he's tolerant of our actions. And I'll speak for myself, I'm very thankful that he's slow to anger with me. Verse 5 says this, But because of your stubbornness, and because of your, and that's including me, your unrepented heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. When you think you've done something to attribute to your own salvation, hear me, hear me. When you, d- when you think you've done something to attribute to your salvation is when you're most likely to judge somebody else. So when you think you've done something to earn it, when you think it's Jesus plus, "Oh, I've earned this with my good work," so I, I naturally start to tell other people what they need to do is when you need to realize that you have a par- heart problem. It is only because of the heart. That we think that we can cast sin on, other pe- on on other people when we have an issue with their hearts but if your heart is broken over sin, if your heart is thankful for God's grace, if your heart is one that, that, that wants to see people rescued by Jesus Christ, then you probably have a heart for people. When I was around 12 years old I had a paper out um, uh, and I, I've told you before, I grew up really poor, um, like really poor. And and I remember when I was 12, I had a paper out, and they had this promotion. And it was, if you signed up six new people in a month, you got to go to a Cubs game. So in 1989, uh, it was one of the first Cubs games, and they had that promotion, and I busted my hump. I think I got 11 new sign-up people. I was one short of being able to take somebody with me to the Cubs game. So, so I, I, I get the six people signed up. I get to go to the Cubs game. I get on this bus. We go in Chicago. We went to this Cubs game. It was a night game, and I'm almost, I, I, maybe I'm remembering it the way I want to remember it, but like in my mind, Greg Maddox pitched that night it was, like, one of the best games to go to. I still remember, like, the bugs near the lights in the outlet when you're looking up at them. We had the worst seats in the house. They're the same ones we took the kids to last year. But, like, <laughs> um, it, it was on the first base side all the way up in the top corner, and, and I just remember sitting there and, and being in love, and I loved it. I remember having just enough money to go and purchase the, the baseball cards for everybody on the team, and walking the hallways and just taking it all in. And then I remember st- going back to my seat and sitting there. And almost the whole time I sat there, I remember saying these words. And, I, and at one time, I even started to cry. I remember sitting there, I said, I said this. And then, man, I just wish my mom was here. I, just wish, I wish my mom was here. I want my mom to experience the awesomeness. You know what I mean? And that is what we need when it comes to grace and Mercy. We have to have a, a desire for our neighbors and our friends to, to come to the mercy of Jesus Christ. We want them, we have to have a desire. We need to sit in the gloriness, the glory of Jesus, and have a desire for people to experience and have and own what Jesus Christ has done for them. And when you catch yourself tossing those judgment bombs you are not sitting in that place. I remember when I came to Christ, or actually when Christ came to me and found me, because I definitely, I definitely wasn't looking for him. But I remember this. I remember um, coming home, because this guy had walked up to me. I, I went to this, this camping thing and this guy told me about Jesus and I came home and it was like the best thing ever. I came home and I wanted to share it with my family. I wanted to share it with my friends. I wanted people to know it and experience it. And I just thought, man, we've just been tricked. We haven't even heard about it. And then I found out everybody else had heard about it. But, um, but it, it, it's a desire for people to have that. Do you have a desire for people to know who Jesus is or do you have a desire for people to know justice. Because what we get with Jesus isn't justice. It's a gift. Um, last week, uh, I don't know where we're at with the slides. Can you go to the next one? Perfect. Last week, this was our verse, well, we did two verses, 16 and 17. But do you remember what the, what the last word is? The righteous will live by Faith. Notice and we said this, it doesn't say the righteous will live by good works. The righteous will, will, will live by by having or by going to church every Sunday. The righteous will it definitely doesn't say the righteous will live by judging others. And but when we think about this and we think about the righteous shall live by faith, then it makes it a lot better for us to read verse six of our text. There's should be one more verse next? Unless I didn't put it on there. Yeah, verse six right there. It says, God will repay each person according to what they have done. There's, there's sometimes a little bit of fear inside of us when we read a verse like that. But we have to remember that, that, that what I have done has been eliminated by the work of who? Jesus. Because Jesus Im- imputes his righteousness into me. When, w- when we believe, and we always just go back to Easter because Easter should be every week, but when we believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and, 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 and defeated death when he rose from the grave. He did that, and he imputed his righteousness into me. So I live by Christ's righteousness. I'm forgiven because of who he is, and he takes from me. He takes from me all my sin and all my shame and all my guilt. And I want to be a part of a church, and I want you to be a part of a church that wants that for other people, right? Right? So when we see our neighbors struggling, we see someone doing something that we don't always like, befriend them. Befriend them. Love on them. Care for them. Um, You know, that's who I want us to be. I want us to be a people group who love those who, who are struggling with life because that's who Jesus is. This is what he's done for us. And with that, let's close. Let's pray. Dear Lord, May your word be active in us. Lord, just give us a heart like yours, Lord Jesus. You're righteous and you're just in all that you do. You're righteous in your patience and your tolerance. Thank you for the way that that you're patient with me. Thank you for the forgiveness you offer us through through your life, death, and resurrection, Lord Jesus. May we rest in that today. In your name we pray, amen.